and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We're a husband-wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. So I sort of, um, I sort of uh, left a cliffhanger on the last, my last episode yeah. for this one. My last one was about deadly inventions. Yep. And this is um, the continuation and conclusion of that. Oh, bother. So, there may be no man in history with more complicated legacy than Fritz Haber. Okay. He was heralded in his earlier years um, because he, he, had, he, he, he had an invention that was called the greatest benefit to mankind. And I think you could argue that it was. Okay. Uh, his and his later invention, his later inventions would bring about the deaths of millions, Uh-oh. and exile him as a pariah oh. to his peers. Oh boy! So it's pretty complicated, but we have to set the stage as to why his invention was so important. And to do that, we have to talk about poop. Great. Now poop is pretty cool. Wow! But oh my you, god. It's true. All right. Well, but if you're a bird, your poop is so cool that we call it something different. Guano. It's bats, I thought. Bats and birds. Really? I didn't know it was for birds, too. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? I mean, Ace Ventura taught me less than I thought. (laughs) Guano is very cool. Possibly the coolest poop around. It's so cool. That in 1856, the United States passed the Guano Islands Act, which enables any U.S. citizen to claim an island that contains a large amount of guano. And the president would have the authority to protect this island with the full power and might of the U.S. military. I literally think you're making this up. I am not. I genuinely don't believe any of this. It is true. In fact... There are 10 islands that were claimed by the United States under this act. And it's still in effect today if you want to go out and, and find one. And these, these guano islands hold true to their names. They are literally towering formations of bird droppings. Oh, so that's all they are? It's just like a mound of poop? No, like it's not poop all the way down. Poop island. But that, but these islands do contain massive cliffs that are made of bird droppings. You know, this does bring to mind one of the greatest parts of Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. That's one big pile of shit. They are. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. But I'm sure you're asking, why would anyone want these islands? I have any number of questions right now, but sure, that's on the list. (laughs) Because guano contains nitrogen. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, nitrogen is very, very important. It's the fourth most common element in our bodies, and it's essential to all life on Earth. Now, we get our nitrogen from the foods we eat whether it be vegetables or animals that eat vegetables. As human populations grew, farms expanded to not only feed families and communities, but entire cities and countries. That means large areas of farmland were being harvested and reused year after year after year. Mm. But reusing the same soil removes the nutrients in that soil. Right. That's why you got to add fertilizer to add those nutrients back. Most importantly, nitrogen. 
mm-hmm. because plants with low nitrogen can't photosynthesize as well, meaning the crops are smaller and weaker and more susceptible to disease. Okay. So farms have to add nutrients back into the soil, but nitrogen is difficult to add back because it isn't found in many places. And that's why guano is so sought after, because it is 20% nitrogen, and there are very many large deposits of it, because bats and birds tend to hang out in specific places for safety and feeding and breeding, and the end, it accumulates into a huge amount of poop over thousands of years. So you can literally export it like a mineral. You don't have to worry about collecting it manually. This commodity was so valued and sought after that Spain went to war with Chile over their guano deposits in 1864. So literal wars are fought over poop. Great. As human populations across the world rose, well, there just wasn't enough guano to go around, and there was no suitable alternative to meet the demands of the increasing human population. I hate this. It's not great. It's really gross. But it's true. I Yeah, all right. Because really, nitrogen, there's only a few places you can get it. You can get it from manure. You can get it from some seaweeds. Hmm. But, there's, but there really was not a way to produce it in mass quantities. There's only a way to mine it, essentially, and it's from poop. Great. So this is going to be a huge problem. By 1900, the world population had passed 1.5 billion, and scientists realized that it would only be a couple of decades until farms could not keep up with the food demands of this population due to lack of nitrogen. Huh. And they would not be able to grow enough food, and this would inevitably lead to mass starvation, and millions would die. Right. So they had to come up with A solution. What was going to save the world? Well, chemistry. Chemists have been trying for the past century to find find a way to turn the plentiful nitrogen that's in our atmosphere into a form that could be used in fertilizer. Okay. Because our atmosphere is 80% nitrogen. Huh. So it's plentiful. But we can't use it. But after 100 years of trying, no one had been able to do it. The idea was to break the nitrogen atoms bond with each other so those atoms would bond with another element, like hydrogen, to form a nitrogen compound. And that was the way that it could be used like used in fertilizer, right? Mm-hmm. But the energy required to break that bond is very high. Like, for instance, lightning strikes can accomplish it. Okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty high. But humans had not been able to figure out how to accomplish it too. And the doomsday clock was ticking. You love a doomsday clock. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Enter Fritz Haber, born December 9th, 1868. By 1905, he was a professor of chemistry and electrochemistry at the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology in Southern Germany. He was married to Clara Emmerwar, who was the first woman to earn a PhD in chemistry. Oh, good for her. They had a son named Herman, but his future was unknown. And perhaps this was what drove Haber to tackle the problem of 
nitrogen depletion. In his home lab, Haber built new equipment to handle the intense energy that was going to be required to accomplish this. He treated nitrogen not just to high pressure, but high heat in a large iron tank. In one experiment, he placed a bit of osmium into the tank to act as a catalyst. Osmium is the rarest precious metal on Earth. And it's also one of the most dense metals. And during this experiment, his mixture of of nitrogen and hydrogen was put under very high pressure and intense heat. And afterwards, when everything cooled off, a little bit of liquid had been created. Mm. It was ammonia. Oh, bother. But this is good news. Okay. By 1909, Haber revealed his process to the world, and soon after, it was commercialized. A plant in Uppau was producing five tons of ammonia per day. Newspapers of the day marveled his discovery, comparing it to making bread from the air. Oh. And the Haber process is still used today. And 50% of the nitrogen in our bodies right now were made from this process. Oh, weird. Yes. Weird. It When I say a big deal, I ain't joking. <laughs> As a result of Haber's discovery, the world population exploded. Oh, great. To what it is now. Eight billion people are alive today, and the majority of them would not be alive without this process. So already good and bad. I'm saying <laughs> enough, yeah. Well, it was a massive hurdle in our growth as a species, and it had been overcome. Um, And as I said, most of the food we eat today is thanks to Fritz Hopper. Mm -hmm. Of course, this made him a wealthy man. You think? Oh, yeah. Hmm. And it improved his social status. He moved the family to Berlin and took up a professorship at the university. He was making good friends with the likes of Albert Einstein and other titans of his time. Wow. It seemed that history would remember him as a hero. Uh-huh. Then in 1914, World War I began. Uh-oh. Now, unlike Einstein, who was a pacifist and opposed the war, Haber was a patriot who volunteered oh, for the war. A German patriot. Yes, World War I, though. Yes, but... He was able to convert his factories from making ammonia making ammonium nitrate right he knew that the fertilizer they were making could be used as an explosive and in mm-hmm. fact ammonium nitrate is a very powerful explosive mm-hmm. it was used by timothy mcveigh for yeah, example sure was the oklahoma city bombing and it was used to power the german war machine beyond what they are capable capable of before you know, instead, of, instead of making bread from the air, Haber was now dropping death from the sky. Great, thanks. But it wasn't enough. The Allied forces opposing Germany in the war had more infantry, more munitions. Germany just couldn't keep up. Right. Haber insisted that he could develop a more efficient, deadly weapon. It did, it did not take long for Haber to develop his weapon and it was quickly approved for a test run on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Haber was there to witness the first use of chlorine gas in yeah. war. On the evening of April 22nd, 1915, German troops released 168 tons of chlorine gas onto the battlefield as the breeze took it to the Allied side. 
Now, chlorine gas is heavier than air, so it easily fell into the Allied trenches. Mm -hmm. And anyone who breathed this gas would die a very painful death. That's despicable. It was compared to drowning on dry land. On that first test, 6,000 Allied troops were killed. Do you ever just like regardless of personal belief, still believe that someone is burning in hell. Mm -hmm. So this guy. The successful test earned Aubrey a promotion to captain. Great. And a week later, he was back at home at a dinner party being praised as a hero. Mm -hmm. But his wife was not impressed. Was she not? No. Wow. Now, Clara was a pacifist too, who had publicly opposed her husband. (laughs) Oh, in 1910s? Yeah. Get it, Clara. (laughs) Calling his perversion of the ideals of science a sign of barbarity, corrupting the very discipline which ought to bring new insights into life. I love her. So this party, celebrating his accomplishments, sent her over the edge. (laughs) Not only was he making explosives, now he was making a horribly deadly gas torturing people to death kind of science yeah great she confronted him during the party (laughs) and it erupted into a huge argument each side accusing the other of being morally bankrupt and a traitor to either science or germany the party ended and in the early morning hours Clara took fritz's revolver into the garden and shot herself in the chest holy shit their son, Herman, heard the shot and found her. Oh, my God. Herman himself would leave Germany in the late 1930s and also commit suicide in 1945. So how, like, not to be that guy, how sure are we that she killed herself? We're sure. Okay. Because Haber was still in the house asleep when Herman and Herman found her, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. As for Haber, he continued directing his gas attacks, but the Allies began launching their own poison gas attacks against Germany. Yeah. Unfortunately, fighting fire with fire. Mm-hmm. Despite the use of chemical warfare being banned by the Hague Convention in 1899, more than 100,000 would die on either side from this method of war. Yeah. But the war ended in November 1918. In great humility to the German people, and Haber felt this humiliation intensely because he had tarnished his reputation for the fatherland. Oh, well, gosh darn. Go gas yourself, bitch. Oh. But he was still a patriot, still a German, and continued his work on developing new breakthroughs in chemistry. Ironically, in 1918, Haber was awarded the Nobel Prize. Wow. For his work in the breakthrough of ammonia synthesis. Did they not like look at the rest of his portfolio? They they knew. Oh. But the benefits of that breakthrough could not be ignored. You you don't you can you can not give someone an award while also not ignoring them. Mm. The, you, you know, there's there's more options. Well, it did happen. He accepted the award in 1919, and the reaction of his award was, well, as you expect, not kind. Yeah. 
He was treated as a pariah, and many in attendance would not shake his hand or acknowledge him. Good. But he continued on, loyal to his country, (laughs) until 1933, when the Nazi party rose to power in Germany. Now, you may think that Haber would be into this because the Nazis were all about bringing patriotism and bringing Germany back to glory and getting justice for the inhumane restitutions that the Allied forces had imposed on them following the Great War. Yeah, that does seem up as alley. Yeah. But no, this was disastrous for Haber because Haber was Jewish. Uh-oh. He was told to dismiss the Jewish members of his staff at the Institute, and he was actually um, not dismissed because um, I I think at the time it was like a slow burn. Oh, yeah. So he was um, he was exempt from this because he had been he was a veteran. Mm -hmm. Okay. And probably they they realized this guy has a lot to offer. Right. Um, But either with solidarity to his his staff or seeing the writing on the wall, he chose to resign and leave Germany. Smart. He went to Cambridge University in England, where, again, he was rejected, <laughs> treated as a war criminal by his peers. Yeah, because he has one. So he chose to relocate again, this time to Italy. Oh, God. But, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but while en route, in January 1934, he died of a heart attack hmm. at the age of 65. Hmm. Shunned by his peers and then rejected by his country. But this isn't where the story ends. His work was being continued, obviously. Sure. Because it was it was breakthrough chemistry. I mean, we are here today. And his invention still being used, even today. Mm-hmm. After World War I, he invented a cyanide pesticide called Zyklon. It was very dangerous chemical. <laughs> cyanide. You can yeah. imagine. <laughs> so it was given... Uh, so an, a chemical was added to it to give it a bad smell mm. so that if you were using it and you smelled it, you'd be like, oh, I'm, in, I'm inhaling this deadly chemical. I need to do something right? rather than just not realize it. Because I think, isn't it true that like not everyone can smell cyanide? Like, isn't that the one that some people smell almonds and other people just don't smell it? I don't know. You, you're into all that. Yes, I am. <laughs> I think it is. After his death, the Nazis removed the smell from the pesticide and used Zyklon B to kill 1.5 million Jews in the Holocaust. Of course they did. Yeah. Haber's own invention (sighs) twisted to extinguish his own family and had he been alive at the time himself. Right. Yeah. So there you have it. Way to go. That is the story of, of Fritz Haber, the man who saved the world and then killed millions. Yeah. I gotta say, I um, don't feel sorry for him at all. It's pretty uh, pretty weird. Yeah. Pretty weird story. But that is the end of it. Great. And if you are here with us, that means you <laughs> listened to a whole episode of Fantastic <laughs> History. Good job. <laughs> Woohoo! Nice. If you enjoyed it, please like or rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to. You can also reach us on uh, Instagram and threads. We are Fantastic H Pod. 
If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to fantastichistorypod at gmail.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.